Good morning, Laura. Would you introduce yourself, please, to my listeners? Yes, Carol. So uh, great to be here with you. Thank you so much for inviting us. And I mean, me and, and of course, my, my company. And I'm Laura Ortiz. I'm a mompreneur from Mexico. I work in Mexico City and also all across Latin America. I used to be a banker. Uh, but when I discovered impact investing, I, I started my own business um, to do education and consulting for impact investing um, in Mexico and Latin America. Great. So I know a little bit about your company, but people here don't. And the way you described it, people kind of recognize some of the terms, but you're doing things in a pretty unique way too. So tell them what the name of the company is, what it does and what differentiates it, you know, in, in terms of how it's a player in the world. All right, so it's SVX Mexico, and basically SVX Mexico became um, SVX Mexico from the inspiration of SVX Canada, and SVX Canada started being a market for impact investing. Um, so here in Mexico, we didn't start as a market, uh, precisely because our context in Mexico is quite different. Um, we don't have a very developed market yet that has enough volume of impact investments. Um, so we need to build up both demand, supply and demand, right? So we need to actually help out um, new investors transition into impact investing. And we also need to uh, help structure the actual deals that will be financed. Um, so we work in both uh, parts of the market, the, the supply and the demand. And the, the way that we're unique is that we, we don't actually think it from the, very transactional point of view. We rather think uh, we need to help the whole market evolve to a new paradigm. Uh, a lot uh, thanks to the learning of reading a lot of Carol Sanford's material. Um, <laughs> and we're huge fans of your work, of course. And basically, we've been writing about regenerative investments since 2017. And we've been, um, let's say, uh, wondering with the whole Mexican ecosystem about what that means, what that looks like. And basically we found that it intersects between, yes, it's a little bit of impact investing, but focusing impact investing towards regeneration takes a lot of understanding of how we regenerate natural capital, social capital, and all the other capitals, but the ones that people understand the most are the, are the natural capital and the social capital and the economic one um, mm -hmm. here in Mexico. So we've been working in the intersection of impact investing, climate finance, and conservation. And basically, conservation in Mexico and Latin America has been a very donor-driven industry. It has been very much like charity or um, you know, pure donations. It, it hasn't necessarily been seen as an investable asset. Um, so we're kind of helping shift those paradigms so that we understand that if we want to be an impact investor, the first thing we need to uh, safeguard is life right? And putting life at the center. Um, so the regenerative practice has helped us a lot in putting life at the center, um, learning a lot about living systems and how that would play out in the capital markets. Great. So I now think I understand what you do. I'm mm -hmm. pretty clear about the number of arenas you're bringing together. I can't yet see how in the world you would do that. That almost sounds like a visionary level, right? But I know you're on the ground making things happen, education, you know, actual investing. Give us something so we can feel what it would be like walking around with you 
every day bringing this great idea to life. Wow. So basically, our, our function on the ground feels a lot like being a translator and being a translator between two worlds. Uh, so you have the finance world that has, you know, such a, a specific vocabulary that really separates you from the rest of the other sectors. And of course, the, the conservation sector also has its own vocabulary and its own um, actors. And, and so they, they're very separate in, in, the, in the actual world. Um, they don't talk too much, they don't work too much, uh-huh. and, and that relationship has to be developed. Um, so basically our, our work of the everyday looks a lot like translator work between those two worlds. So basically when, when we see an entrepreneur that we find it's, or, or a company that is regenerative and that we really like and that really is um, helping restore natural capital, social capital, and has the possibility of producing economic capital, we help them structure their financing strategy so that it actually can talk to the finance world. And then with the finance world, we also help them, you know, understand a lot of things that um, that their current model uh, does not allow them to understand uh, so that they can understand that this um, that this is an investable asset and it needs uh, a different kind of financing that is not necessarily the one that they're used to. Um, so one thing on the ground that I could tell you is, for example, uh, a company that we helped this year. That's what I was going to ask next. Give me an example. Right. So okay, go ahead. Imagine, I'm, I'm a mompreneur and this company I really like because it's another mompreneur. Uh, so the name of the company is called La Comandanta. And what they do is basically um, they safeguard Mexico's uh, greatest biodiversity that is found on the, on the seeds. So we in Mexico eat not only the regular corn that usually people know white corn and yellow corn, but here in Mexico we have such a huge variety of corns. It's, it's more than 76 variety of corns. Wow. And we have also more than 20 varieties of beans. So there's even like purple beans and so many others. And, and basically, if we stop cultivating those, uh, we, we literally um, will uh, take away a lot of the Mexican biodiversity that is passed on through, re- through generations because of the seeds. And basically, our diet has been cutting those varieties into very few. And so basically, this company is uh, doing a lot of recipes with those, especially a very famous sauce. So one of their sauces, it's, it's been like groundbreaking in all the um, chef industry in Mexico. So like the high-end restaurants and the high-end chefs, they all want it. And basically, they're selling in, in very high-end markets in Mexico. So they're having, um, you know, this this beautiful extra value for their margins because they're, they're selling in very good gourmet industries and basically they were still um they were still structured in a very small family uh company but they were now you know um how do you say uh selling to very high-end markets so they really need needed to structure into becoming a more investable company and basically this year we helped them structure their round we helped them close an investment round that is very beneficial and we 
achieve the win-win transactions for both the investors and the entrepreneur. And, and basically the market in Mexico now gets to understand biodiversity and value Mexico's biodiversity. And, and the smallholder farmers are much more committed and they have increased um, their farming, of course, of those uh, diverse seeds that weren't uh, the, in the mainstream market. So I'm, I'm going to ask a question that's slightly off to the side, but I know you care a great deal about educating the markets. You do want to work with this young mompreneur, helping her do what she's doing, supporting this great biodiversity. But I think you spend a lot of time telling the stories like yes. we're doing today. Yes. Uh, tell me more about how you try and spread the word beyond the actual uh, engagement you do with any specific entrepreneur and investor. All right. So I think one of my um, main functions as, as my role, so right now I'm the founder of the company, but I've transitioned from the CEO to the CPO, so the Chief Purpose Officer. Um, and, and the reason I did that is because of a lot of factors, but uh, I think my role is to inspire into action. So the the way I inspire people into action, I need to have these stories and I need to spread the word, right? It's right. part of like the, the main things uh, to, to start the understanding of these two worlds that, that need the translating. Um, so basically what we do every day, so for example, this year we've educated investors in Guatemala, in Colombia, in Mexico, in Chile, and in Panama around this so the way we structure our education is we need to inspire first so we start with um uh with some data storytelling and and of course like real examples that are very close to home to whoever our audience is so we really take a lot of time for preparation in each time we do our education we do some co-creation with the actual audience that we will have so that we hit the spot you know on exactly something that really moves um, there really wakes up their their feelings and and from the feeling uh, then we start doing you know the actual work of like the data and stuff so for example uh, we don't start with alternative structures for financing we start with the stories and right. then those stories um, really hit the spot on why you need these alternative structures for financing Right. So what's, so, one, what's one of your favorite stories? And then we'll come back a little more to how you market. What's one of the ones you tell over and over again that makes it, lifts their spirit and makes them want to understand more about what you do? Whew, there's so many, but this I would say, one. Yeah. okay, one, one that I usually say is one of our first customers. So our very first client was Grupo Paisano, and they're a sustainable agriculture fund in Mexico, and they work in several states. Uh, it's more than 700 uh, smallholder farmers that they serve. And usually, like, the, the really transformative thing is that they, they looked at the uh, Mexican uh, agriculture sector, and they said, you know what? It's been decades of subsidy, and subsidy hasn't really lifted them out of poverty. And then it's been decades of debt, and debt hasn't really lifted them out of poverty. Only in very, you know, targeted cases, and, and really has put them more in debt than actually helped them out. So what if we give them equity of the exporting company? So they tried out uh, this model that is called self-liquidating equity. It, kind of Would sounds fancy, self-liquidating equity, okay. but really means like a 
a cooperative in reverse. So what they actually do is they start out with the pie. Imagine the pie of, of the shares of the company that belongs to, to the investors, but they carve out a tiny portion of the pie for the smallholder farmers. So now the, the tiny cooperatives of, of smallholder farmers have a piece of the pie of the exporting company that is the one that has the most value, right? The most margin. So basically every year they start selling their mangoes, their lemons, whatever they sell, and everyone gets a piece of the pie. Everyone gets a dividend from those. But the piece that the smallholder farmers get is divided in three pockets. The individual pocket of the farmer, so that helps them out. So you not only get from your lemons, you also get from these dividends. Yeah. Then the collective pocket, so that they start developing the collective governance of decision-making. And the third is a buyback uh, piece of the pie. So this helps them out in, in like 10 or 12 years, they will become the whole owners of the pie. So that way the investors have an exit that is structured from the very beginning. And it's not an exit towards a corporate entity, but rather to the smallholder farmer. That is super disruptive. And for the smallholder farmer, they come from, from being you know the, the least um, benefited from the whole value chain to being the one that is the most transformed. So they, they come from being the, the supplier to being the owner. And that transformation for us, we think it's very long-term approach of, of really them leaving poverty because they stop depending on their income and they start uh, building actually uh, an asset. So for us, that is very transformative. We really love it. And, and we've been... Um, spreading out that story and that makes a lot of sense to the to the financing people when you say cooperative in mexico you sound like a socialist so people like they you know you, you get kicked out of the mexican stock exchange or whatever but when you say self-liquidating equity it sounds sexy those are all you know? financial terms right exactly, exactly. <laughs> so basically that's that's what i mean about being a translator yeah you no know? i got it if we come to the to the financing people and we talk the talk to them about you know farmer cooperatives they they exit the 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 room but if we talk to them about self liquidity equity they're like ooh that sounds hot talk yeah. talk to yeah, me more about me more. that you know yeah so let's go back to how it is you uh, let people know about this so you said educating i'm trying to get a picture do you go i mean you're across latin america and south america mm -hmm. uh, at least the spanish speaking side it sounds yeah. like right yeah are you going one country, one company, one, I mean, how, that's a lot of space to cover. It what is. What does that and look like? So we, we didn't actually intend to, you know, expand so quickly. And we haven't expanded so quickly. The thing is that we actually named the company VX Mexico because our intention was to have a lot of work in Mexico. But from a pool strategy you know we've been called to work in Guatemala we've been called to work in Colombia we've been called to call in Chile so it, it has been literally we we have not spent one cent to like market ourselves outside of Mexico it, it has been people that really want it so what I what I think is there's a hunger in yeah. the, in the global south for the education of impact investing that hasn't been filled because most impact investing education comes from the global north, very US centric, very UK centric. Um, so when we start doing it in Spanish and when we start co-creating with the local market and having local examples, that really, like, really lights them up. And I think that's the reason uh, we've been called to work in other markets. I think so too. Um... I'm trying to, I'm getting flavors of this mm -hmm. evolution 
like what year did you found this? And then you you obviously have changed roles for all the reasons you just described. Give us a little shorthand version of the evolution of where you started, where you are now, and where you think you might be going next. All right. So basically, on 2014, I quit my job as a banker. Uh, I'd been in a banker eight years before that. So um, when I quit in 2014, I, I really didn't know. I was like wandering around, and I finally found a course and it was on, on private capital, but it was actually impact investing. And I didn't know that when I enrolled. When I actually came out of that course, I really knew that this was my life mission and that I wanted to, to dedicate myself to this, but I didn't know how. So yeah. I would say from 2014 to 2015, I was more in a period of discovery, uh, learning a lot and going to a lot of conferences and courses and meeting a lot of people until I finally decided, I, I met the SBX people in Canada and I said, hey, I want to replicate this in Mexico. But they were like, uh, sorry, we don't have any capital for you to replicate in Mexico. We cannot help you out, but we can help you. You know, we can share our know-how and we can share our know-who if that helps. Right. And I was like, yeah. So we did kind of like a, you know, like an, a mutual exercise of, of getting to know each other and of having like an understanding, a mutual understanding of how we can collaborate if they don't have any money to, you know, fund us. Um, but we did want to learn a lot from them. Uh, so basically we, we set up an understanding that is very simple and very amicable and really, really collaborative. Like, really these people know how to collaborate they're amazing so the the founders of sbx canada are I, and and we've been working together um since 2015 and it's been really great and they started sbx us um i think a year and a half ago already um so th there's a lot of symbiosis and a lot of collaboration that is not necessarily the way we intended in the beginning you know it yeah. has evolved um but it's it's been beautiful uh you know to have somebody to share the path with and we really incorporated ourselves as an actual company starting 2016 so it you know all the while that we were doing the discovery process we we started having our first client in 2015 but we really incorporated until 2016 and we became a big b company until 2017 you know so it's been it's been a journey yeah. um and i think about the future that you were saying we found an intersection that really needs much more exploration and much more understanding. That is the, the intersection of impact investing in climate finance and conservation. We really think biodiversity should be an impact imperative because we, we think life shouldn't be, you know, an optional investment mm -hmm. uh, just for those that are very enlightened and, and that see that biodiversity is important. It should be, you know, we should all be guarding life first. <laughs> I agree, and, and we don't see that happening yet um, so we see that our role really is helping right now evolve the industry so that it understands the intersection between them between the impact investing and climate finance we believe the tipping point of impact investing will be climate finance uh, but they really need to know each other and they really need to understand that we're both um, you know, we, we both want to stay alive and not only that, but like target like the whole uh, potential of, of life, right? So, um, yeah. so I, the most often question I'm told to ask when I do the, the uh, responsible capitalist interviews is, how do you fund yourself? Because what you're talking about is, it's work of the heart, right? It, it's yeah. work, work of great change. 
and it it also costs money to do that. Mm. Who invests yeah. in you? How do you bring finance and circulate it in a way that it works for you and what you're about? And I think you're you're you nailed it. That's the question, um, the million dollar question, I would say. And I say, and I think it's been really tough, super hard, and and really really upward hill. Um, first. It was self-funded, so I, I did um, have my, my savings from when I was a banker. I, I did really well, and, and I started investing in, in the company myself, uh, my whole family. So me and my family, we've been like, this is our impact investment. Uh, but also, um, fortunately, we've been a for-profit since we started, and we've been having paying customers ever since. Um, so we do have, you know, some sales that are uh from who who is the customer so i would say our our first customer as i was saying was like this sustainable um agriculture fund but we've been having a lot of social entrepreneurs some investors some funds uh a lot of ngos now so basically ngos that we wouldn't imagine you know that were usually in the donor side and were a very traditionally philanthropic ngo and that are moving or evolving towards investment because they do realize that the the donation pool in Mexico is shrinking by the minute, like really, really quickly. And if they don't move themselves towards, uh, you know, becoming somehow sustainable, they they like they're really risking their lives. So basically, um, we we found a lot of customers that are NGOs. So for example, the Biodiversity Finance Initiative in UNDP. Uh, Reforestamos, the, the largest forestry NGO in Mexico. Um, the, the largest conservation fund in Mexico, which is Fondo Mexicano de la Conservación. Uh, Hyfer International, I don't know if you know them, but they work with smallholder farmers all across rural Mexico. Um, and, and a lot of social entrepreneurs. And there was uh, two government programs that we served in the last administration in Mexico but that administration left and and this new government we haven't had any contracts with the new government okay. yet. Um, I heard you speak briefly a moment ago and look at the evolution of the company about how you got into it but there is some why for you of doing yep. this that is deep can you articulate what that burning fire is that just keeps you fighting for this or sharing it with the world, collaborating, collaborating. What is it underneath all of that that is about why you do this? And I just want to tell the audience, this has been an ongoing conversation with me and Carol for a couple of years now, <laughs> or even more than a couple of years. And I was meditating on, on that precisely this morning while I was walking to my office. And I was like really, really going deep into myself. Um, because I, I used to be a person that had a very clear faith in one religion, and I think I have evolved into a larger belief. Mm-hmm. And, and I think my work expresses, you know, my, my most heartfelt beliefs. And, and I've shifted um, from adoring one concept of God into worshiping uh, life as a whole. And, and that has been a huge transition internally that has expressed, of course, in, in my work. Um, so I really want to say I, I found a lot of inspiration in the Pope Francis encyclical of Laudato Si. And literally the mission of our company comes from a phrase from that encyclical that is um, 
the, the Pope is saying, I ask you to ensure that humanity is served by wealth, not ruled by it. But we have evolved it into, I ask you to ensure that living systems or life huh. is served by wealth not ruled by it. Wonderful. Um, I have not heard you say that. Say that again slow. I ask you to ensure that living systems or life is served by wealth, not ruled by it. Yes. That's yes. beautiful. So that really, really, really strikes a chord. Um, yeah. Me. That's I, what I call getting a really focused corporate direction, a direction for your organization. You can constantly ask, is the way we're building wealth and using wealth moving toward augmenting evil evolving serving life or is it doing the opposite it's exactly quite, quite clear that's wonderful it's very deep it's super profound for us and and it's a mission that goes beyond what we can achieve as a company you know right. we need everyone if we are to ever get there um so so we found that our vocation as a company is larger than, than the transactional piece. But of course, the transactional piece serves a lot of the storytelling and a lot of you know, the understanding for the financial people that are not necessarily there in the same um, systems thinking. Uh, so we, we see the transactional piece as a, as a level or a lever, sorry, that serves a higher purpose, but we really have the mission of, of advancing a whole industry. And, and yeah. it's really complicated, uh, but it's beautiful. <laughs> How do you know whether you're making any difference? Do you have Ooh. something, I mean, do you have anything, I've seen this come to this, I've seen this come to that or go away. How in the world, because this could be exhausting if you don't feel like it's working. Yeah. How do you know if it's working? So there's, there's little pieces, right? Um, just one anecdote. For example, there's this fund manager um, that was going to enroll in one of our courses for investors. And it was the very last day. You know, we had a cancellation and luckily it was like one spot left and he called us and he was like, I want to pay full price. Just give me the last, um, put me in, in the course. And we we're like, because he knew we were full. And if we didn't have that cancellation right before he called us, we literally would not have space for him but he was like super insisting and we were like so you really are into impact investing and he was like no not really I like don't don't even uh, try to evangelize me I'm not going to be one of your converts I'm really interested in the networking though so just give me my seat you know so it was wait so this was this was the the day before the course started so he paid full price and he was only there for the networking and he didn't want to hear anything about impact investing. He just wanted to learn. And literally, like at the beginning, he was seated on the very back row. And as the course evolved, he was like sitting in front. And then he was like the one that stayed later and asked all the questions and didn't want to leave. And then like some months later passed and he was like, you know what, I'm, I'm doing an impact investing fund. <laughs> so, yes. And, and literally, um, so one of his partners is now leading one of the leading impact investing firms in Mexico, impact investing funders in Mexico, um, the ones that have deployed already $500 million for this. Um, so literally, you know, she was one of his um, initial partners in the fund. Uh, so basically, you know, this funder came from a very, uh, how would you say, like antagonistic perspective to like becoming one you know so yeah. those little things um happen a lot to us uh, very frequently so the people that are like most against it 
like really not only like convert, but actually advocate for it at the end. So it's been very enlightening. And, and at the same time, I think not only the work we're doing, but the, the, the realization, the mainstream realization and conscience has been awakening, not only through us, but through so many things that have happened. I do, I do believe 2019 has been one of those years of awakening for, mm. for the public, not just on climate, but also on inequality and, and mm. things that really, like a lot of financial people talk to me at the beginning of this year, oh no, now I understand what you meant about the climate costs. Now I see it hitting my bottom line. Now I understand it, but mm. I don't really you know, hear you about the inequality thing. And now like with all the protests in all South America and Latin America, as you've seen, and well, throughout the world but like really in latin america they've costed a lot of um assets under management now and people are like whoa now i understand what you meant with inequality being a problem you know (laughs) so let me um let me say one thing to my listeners about you um when i did and prepared for the regenerative life book which will be out march 10th I looked for people in the nine roles that are in the book, and one of them is called the Economic Shaper. And Laura is one of the people I went after, because as you listen to her, you can hear she is shaping how people think. She is shaping how governing governments think. It's shaping how corporations and entrepreneurs think. And this is the powerful work we need to all be doing. And I'm so glad, my dear friend, that you exist in the world, that you have all the dedication you have. And people are going to want to find you. How would you suggest they follow up if they'd like to know more, a website, what, what you're open to about people connecting with you? Yes, so we look forward to to meeting more of Carol's disciples because we've been Carol's disciples <laughs> for some years now. So we would really like to meet you. Um, our website is very simple because it's svx.mx. So literally S um, as in Sam, V as in vase, you know, X, and then dot M as in mom, X. Uh, so svx.mx that's the website and then we have our twitter account which is at svx mexico and i do um a little bit of writing in medium but way less than carol of course i I don't have (laughs) as many years as carol you have a baby (laughs) (laughs) but in in medium it's at uh laura o-m-d-g so basically that um that medium has a lot of the collection of our learnings um, throughout the years. So we have the holistic impact investing spectrum. We have the trouble with the SDGs, the 2030 SDG social development goals agenda. Uh, we have the, the biodiversity financing initiative, the regenerative investments hub in Mexico. All of those um, are there. And there's a letter from like the smallholder farmers to to the big corporations um, from, from our voice, but, but paraphrasing a lot of the smallholder farmers that we've heard. And there's, there's a lot there. So I'm gonna put all of those at the uh, base of, on our website when this email or this podcast is posted so mm-hmm. they can write to you because I want everyone to find you and to know what you're up to. And I love that you're in my life. 